Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. It ain't the left side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. Check out our merch store, onthefinside.threadless.com. We are just about two weeks away from free agency and eight weeks from the NFL draft, so Paul and I are going to start cranking out some segments here on free agency and the draft. In this show, we're going to focus on the Dolphins' impending free agents and a handful of names that are considerations to be cut. There's a lot of them to create cap room. So, Paul, looking at this here, and I I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm quoting something Omar Kelly wrote, which, I don't know, maybe I'm getting softer in my old age. Um, Put out an article here, uh, and it's pretty common news, too. The Dolphins would be a projected 71 million under the cap if they cut Ryan Tannehill, Devontae Parker, Robert Quinn, and Andre Branch, just those four players. So I think the common misconception is that the Dolphins don't have a lot of cap room. And when you look on like overthecap.com or Sport Track, you'll see the Dolphins about 27th in cap room. But they can unload a lot of this money very, very easily. They really can. I mean, and, and I know you're quoting Omar Kelly there, but uh, I think you're being nice. I mean, that's something that a lot of folks, I know, I think I've heard you say it a couple of times previously. Uh, CK said it. I think Travis has said it a few times. Uh, a number of folks have, have really put that out there. Uh, it, it, it'd be very interesting to see because while everyone's worried about Miami creating cap space for this season, I think what you're going to see Miami do is potentially keep a lot of cap space as the season goes and try to roll some of that cap into 2020 as we're, as we're moving forward here. So Miami may or may not make some of these cuts just to get their cap back under control. Uh, The cap's funny money anyway, though. I mean, it's teams find a way if there's someone they really want. And yeah. And 
the two big names are Jawan James and Xavier Howard moving forward. Obviously, Howard's the bigger name, but he's not a free agent until next year. But Jawan James is an interesting one because he's caused a lot of uh, debate among Dolphins fans. A lot of people think he's an average right tackle. A lot of people think he's pretty much irreplaceable because he can form the bookend tandem with Laramie Tunzel for whenever the Dolphins get that cap space. I'll tell you, if just to take a step back, on the hire of Brian Flores, I'll tell you one thing that I was thinking about over the last week that could be genius in hiring this guy is that if you take a look at the roster, if the Dolphins' strategy was we're going to finish the offensive and defensive line, we're going to finish the secondary, and then on the front seven of the defense, we've got a guy that can scheme together a pretty darn good team without a lot of resources. And then from that point, there's not a lot that you need other than a franchise quarterback, and we're going to take one of them in the next three years. So the Dolphins have a way, contrary to the popular opinion, with this young roster to piece some things together pretty quickly. They just need to wait on that quarterback. They do, and, and let's face it. I mean, I know we're getting a little bit ahead of the horse here, but they could potentially end up with that quarterback in this draft. I mean, if you retain Josh Sitton and manage to re-sign Juwan James, you can still create a ton of cap space for the team. You can create a ton of rollover cap space. And then suddenly your offensive line is a guard short of being just fine. Um, and then you're looking at a creative team on defense anyway with what they want to do between Flores and Patrick Graham. So, I mean, it's, it's you, you can say rebuild all you want out there, uh, TV land. But in reality, Miami's a team that, given the right set of circumstances and the perfect storm as the draft rolls along, they could create cap space and create a more competitive team based around the coaching and scheme that we've heard thus far. You bet. And we'll talk about the quarterbacks in the upcoming months, but right now the top two guys are, are Oklahoma's Kyler Murray and Ohio State's Dwayne Haskins. Third in there is Drew Locke, who I've seen a lot of as a Mizzou fan, and he could go anywhere from, you know, I see him mocked in the top six or seven, could fall all the way down to the second round. You, you have no idea yet. But if the Dolphins, and Todd McShay and, and Mel Kuyper were debating about this before, that if you're the Dolphins at 13 and you see an opportunity in this draft to go up and get your guy, you may have to do it if you fall in love with somebody. I mean, you look at the teams over the last three years, like the Chiefs and the Texans, Bears, you name it. I mean, there's been six or seven examples of a team falling in love with a quarterback, going up and getting them, and they're all happier than they were before that happened. So, there's a lot of different ways, but the Dolphins also have an opportunity if they don't get the quarterback to stack a very good team, maybe get two or three starters, kind of like they've been doing over the last couple of years in these drafts. Completely. I mean, and, and Chris Greer has shown a penchant for grabbing some late round steals that become impact players, whether it's immediately or over the course of a couple of seasons. You look at Jakeem Grant, you look at Davin Gotcha, you look at Vincent Taylor. All of those guys were not early draft guys. You know, you look at the little bit of impact Cornell Armstrong started to have late last year. Uh, you you look at some of the players that, that he unearths in later round, they're role players, but they're players that can come in and be effective. And that's what you need a hell of a lot of on a team is players that can come in and be the player that can perform the role that you've assigned to them 
and be effective in that role. And, and Greer seems to be able to find that in spades. And I'm glad to see we've got a complimentary coaching staff that should be able to put that to its maximum. I've always said with Greer and with the rest of the front office, it wasn't the draft picks over the last few years. It's that they didn't have enough of them. I mean, when you can come away with Jakeem Grant and Devin Gotcha and Vincent Taylor, these types of players in the last few rounds of the draft, you've definitely got some skills as far as evaluating talent. So, Paul, let's uh, take a look here at the Dolphins roster. Obviously, there's a lot of fat to cut here this year. The big name out there is Ryan Tannehill. Always, never a boring conversation with him. So, here's the game we're going to play, okay? I'm going to – two simple questions on each player. Number one, do you think the Dolphins are going to cut him? And number two, would you agree with the Dolphins cutting him? So we're going to start off with quarterback Ryan Tannehill. Do you think the Dolphins are going to cut him? And do you, would you agree with that? I don't see. We're starting off with the most controversial one, too. That's that's the best part here. I think that's a TBD. I mean, I, I really think that the smart move and the one that this coaching staff will lobby for is until you've got your replacement, there's not really a conversation to be had. I mean, if you look at it on the surface, the money that Ryan Tannehill is making feels astronomical. But then when you look around the league at what quarterback salaries are, and it's really not that outlandish based on his performance. I mean, and as goofy as that sounds, I don't see Miami making a move with him. Now, if Miami were to get Haskins or Kyler Murray in round one, this coming in this coming draft, I think you see them hot and heavy on the phones trying to move Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Tannehill's a good enough player that somebody's going to potentially make a move to snap him up, even if they're going to try to restructure as part of that. Uh, it may get you a third or a fourth round pick, but we've just talked about what Chris Greer is able to do in those mid to late rounds of the NFL draft. And if if you can net a third round or a fourth rounder for Ryan Tannehill after getting Kyler Murray or Dwayne Haskins and then possibly get your guard to complete that offensive line with Juwan James, let's do it. But you need to get your replacement in place because right now Miami's quarterback room is looking pretty empty without Tannehill there. See, I think they will put the cart before the horse on here. I think I'd be shocked if Ryan Tannehill is not gone by draft day. And I said before that I think Tannehill – a good fit for him could be the Washington Redskins. And I pre- predicted a fourth or a fifth round pick in compensation as a return. I feel stronger about that today than I did before after watching Joe Flacco get traded to the Broncos. So I do think Tannehill will be gone. Uh, the Dolphins would save $18.8 million, but they would also lose $7.81 million in dead cap if they do it after June 1st, like you're saying, Paul as a possibility. Otherwise, if they do it beforehand, it's basically an even split. They save $13.5 million or so, and they have $13.5 million in dead cap room. Uh, let's go down so, the Kat, list. Let me, we... b- before we move on, just, just one quick situational that popped into my head, and I apologize for jumping in on this. But say a team three or four picks ahead of Miami in the draft is willing to swap first-round picks for Miami's 13th overall and Ryan Tannehill and give Miami that chance to come up and potentially get a Haskins or a Kyler Murray. Do you make that move? 
Yeah, I mean, you're probably asking the wrong guy on that because I would trade Tannehill for anything, and I would want him cut as well. I mean, I think that era has ended, and I can't see the Dolphins starting a new era with Tannehill as the quarterback. I mean, you're, you'd be talking about, if you include Dan Campbell, the fourth coach that has Ryan Tannehill yeah. as their signal caller. I think Chris Greer is going to make that decision. But to answer your question, yeah, I, I really don't see where a big swap would, would be. I mean, um, you look at the Broncos at 10, if they would be open to that. But no, they, they wouldn't do that because they just got Joe Flacco. They'd either draft a quarterback or they would um, – yeah, I, I wouldn't see that, that happening there. So, no, I, I think it would be a fourth or a fifth round pick if that's the case. But I'm not quite sure if he's going to net anything at this point. Um, so, Paul, let's let's go down here to the rest of the guys I alluded to in the beginning of the conversation. We will go down and you tell me, do you think he will be cut? Uh, and would you agree with that? Number one, Devontae Parker, you would save $9.387 million dollars. If you rescind that fifth year option on his rookie contract, do you do it? I do, uh, if it's me, and I'm pretty sure the Dolphins do as well. But I can see that scenario where he's got so much God given ability that it, it is tantalizing, especially for a new coach, to have the hubris to believe that you can get the best and most out of, out of Devontae Parker. With Chad O'Shea talking about you know, playing his strengths and weaknesses and blah, blah, blah. I could see where it would be tantalizing to pound the table for the guy. But I think in the end, Chris Greer has probably had enough at this point. And I think we do see Devontae cut, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think he is gone. I mean, I said after the Texans game, when he had that big game on Thursday night, I said, if this guy plays a fraction of how he did in that game the rest of the year, I think the talent is too much. But Rest of the year, he got even worse. I mean, every every year since he since his junior year at Louisville, I mean, it was something else with this guy every year. We're talking about half a you know half a decade now that he hasn't yeah. put it together either production wise or injury wise. So I think he gets that the Dolphins do rescind that that fifth year option too. What was that? I said or effort. I mean, let's face it. it. The, the number of uh, lack of effort plays that have caused interceptions for, for Devontae throughout his short career thus far is astounding. Yeah, and I think he would be worth it for somebody. I mean, uh, it, he if he goes to a team where he's not supposed to be the guy and he goes, he, they have a good quarterback there, I think that he's going to be able to make some dynamic plays and they're going to be like, well, wh- why, why did the Dolphins give up on this guy? But you can't you you can't go on scared like that. I mean, what is it going to be fifth, no. sixth, seventh year? We're like, well, he's going to put it together this year. So, <laughs> I, I think he's gone. Let's uh, stay at the wide receiver position. Danny Amendola, they could cut him and save a clean six million dollars, no cap room. I'm going to say, I'm going to take this one here. I do think he gets the axe as part of the Dolphins rebuilding model here, and I would agree with that move. Yeah, he can go up and ruin ruin Jets fans' days because, uh, let's face it, he leaves Miami. He's probably going to end up with the Jets. And uh, Okay, no worries there from me. Go, go yeah, play with I, your I buddy. I think he game. is who he is. Yeah. I mean, I, I, didn't, I wasn't crazy about the move to begin with because, he, I mean, he's a – He's okay. You know, he, he, he's, he's fine. He runs a 4-7. He's a veteran. He tries as hard as he can if he – you know, if, if if he has a good quarterback, 
he's going to get the ball into him for 50 or 60 catches a year for five or 600 yards, but that's just about it. Doesn't fit with this new regime. And at wide receiver, I think if the Dolphins have Albert Wilson, Kenny Stills, Jakeem Grant, and then a bunch of other younger guys like Bryce Butler, Leonte Carew, then I, I, I think that's the least of the Dolphins' problems right there at receiver. Um, offensive line now. Can we both agree, just get this out of the way, Ted Larson's gone, two, they'd save $2.2 million. Yep. Gone. Completely in that 400000 in cap room. Uh, you know, it's better than the $2.2 million in dead money. So I completely yeah. agree. If, uh, yeah, a little over 400000 That's perfectly fine. He can go be a backup or try to be a backup somewhere else. Dan Kilgore is an interesting one. The Dolphins did trade for him last year. They could cut him and save $2.4 million. We didn't get to see a lot of him last year, and when he, in his couple of starts, he didn't look all that good. I actually thought Travis Swanson was a little bit of an upgrade over him. Yeah, if if Miami can re-sign Travis Swanson, I'm fine with parting ways with Dan Kilgore. I mean, I'm not upset if he stays on the team. Again, he's okay, and he's he's better than some that we've had, and he did perform better, according to PFF, than Mike Pouncey. So there is that. But I mean, it's it's whichever one's less expensive and gets the job done. I don't care between them. Maybe I mean my, there are some good options in the draft too. Should just get both of them out of the way so Jake Brendel can begin his Hall of Fame yes. career immediately. Um, <laughs> uh, let's let's stay here at the offensive line. Now this is the one that's to me most interesting, and so many people are fifty fifty on Josh Sitton. The Dolphins signed him last year. And he looks every bit what we expected at left guard. I think he would have completely changed how the Dolphins were protecting on the left side. And then he goes on injured reserve pretty early. Uh, if the Dolphins cut him, they they owe him $2 million in dead cap money. And But they would save $5 million. He's going to be 32 years old. He's coming off an injury. A lot of people think he's going to be part of the youth movement and he's going to get axed. I would disagree with this. I, I really hope they keep Josh Sitton, because if you cut him, you're going to turn around, and you're going to send, sign a Ted Larson or a Dan Kilgore caliber player for 2 or $3 million a year anyway. So at that point, why don't you hang on to Sitton and see if he can play to 33 or 34 years old? Yeah, I mean, you cut Josh Sitton, you let Jawan James walk, and suddenly – you're sitting there on draft day basically going like, okay, anybody that doesn't have an OL or DL designation, just wipe them off the board now. Um, And I'm sorry, but you look at the difference between the last game sitting played last year and every game after that in what that offensive line was. And it's so ridiculously noticeable he was a huge impact for that offensive line. And, and until he, he's another one that until you have a quality replacement for, you keep that guy around and you groom a young project at guard that you think is going to be something special in a year or two. And then you part ways with, with him. Yeah. And I think sitting is a type of guy that can play into his mid thirties, 34, 35 years old, like a Jari Evans did for the Packers a few years ago, because he's not somebody who, does it on athleticism he does it on on experience and on size he just goes out there and does his job I don't see those skills deteriorating as quickly as some of these other players so yeah I'm really hoping that they keep him uh, along the defensive line Paul it's 
pretty much a foregone conclusion. Robert Quinn's going to get the ax. They're going to save yeah. almost $13 million. And Andre Branch uh, is definitely going to get the ax, too, unless the Dolphins' new defensive line coach, uh, who coached at McClemson and with the Jaguars, uh, wants to keep him. But I, I can't see that happening. So they'd save almost $13 million by cutting Quinn, almost $7 million by cutting Andre Branch. Do you think anything's going to change there? The only thing I can say with Andre Branch is they may look at some of the tape last year where Branch did play from a stand-up position and did it pretty effectively at times. So with the fact that Graham wants to run a hybrid 3-4-4-3 defense uh, with, with a few wrinkles thrown into that, you may see a scenario where Graham is high on the idea of keeping him even if they try to restructure but in the end, I think he probably gets the ax, but I can see the scenario where they keep him over Robert Quinn because Robert Quinn was overall a huge disappointment last year. Yeah, he, he really was. I mean, I think Quinn fires off the edge, but very, very much a one-trick pony. He's definitely gone, especially at that cap number. Andre Branch could see them restructuring, but more than likely he's probably going to get the ax too. But moving along to... The last two guys, they're very interesting because it's not as simple as dead cap money and how much you're going to save, et cetera, et cetera. So Kiko Alonso, after June 1st, uh, they could cut him and save right, a little bit over $5 million, I believe it is. Uh, sorry, excuse me, $6.5 million there. But interesting thing about Kiko, though, too, uh, on the Miami Dolphins Twitter page, they put together a video on him about all the big plays that he made last year. And just from experience, I remember when there was talk about the Dolphins cutting Mike Wallace after a couple of years, and he wasn't on any of the promotional videos. Uh, I don't know. I, sometimes I read a little. I, I might be reading a little bit more into that than I should. But gosh, I hope they cut him. I mean, I can't watch him play middle linebacker for another year. I can watch him play middle. Uh, nah, no, no, I can't. It's. I'll be honest, if the Dolphins wanted to burn a draft pick sending somebody up to the podium to announce that they were cutting Kiko Alonso, I'd volunteer to to be the one to grab that card, run up to the podium, push the commissioner aside and say with the 13th pick in the draft, the Dolphins have decided to cut Kiko Alonso. Next. You know, <laughs> it, it, pretty harsh. I just, I, they they how, could how simply many, cut him, I mean. That's How many off two. seasons have we been sitting around going, I'd give Kiko away for somebody's grandmother's favorite piece of China. I mean, I, I'd, I'd pay them to take Kiko Alonso. I, I'd give them a draft pick if they take Kiko. I mean, it, it, it's, he makes some highlight plays uh, for the good and he fills the stat sheet, but God, all the abysmal in between is just so game changing in the wrong direction. I mean, the number of, BS penalties he's got for stupid late hits and the reputation he's got amongst officials now where any type of questionable call is going to go against him in those scenarios. Kiko loses games. Kiko, Kiko is good for two losses a year. That, that's the impact he has. I completely agree. I mean, yeah, I believe it was five out of six games. He had a 15-yard personal foul penalty and was ejected twice. I mean, he does not make enough big plays to justify the stupidity on the others. I mean, I could see maybe a team like, and we've talked about this before, I could see a team that is 
just doesn't have enough playmakers, like the 49ers, who had, believe it or not, two interceptions all of last year, saying, okay, we need to get somebody in here at linebacker who can just do something, and then we can unload him for a sixth or seventh round pick. The Raiders come to mind on that, too. But I think the Dolphins are going to end up keeping him. I'm going to disagree with that, but I I think that's what's going to happen at the end of the day. Yeah, well, if if I'm Chris Greer and somebody calls me up and says, look, if you give us Kiko Alonso, we'll give you, before they even finish, I'm going, yes, absolutely, yes, yes, 100%, (laughs) yes. Whatever you were about to say, yes. I agree with you. Uh, Let's move on to the last player here. And and he's a little – this is a long story on T.J. McDonald because basically the Dolphins can cut him, and if another team signs him within a certain time frame, they can get that money prorated back to them. So, and I think it's about $4 million or something like that. And if McDonald is cut, I do think he would get $4 million a year somewhere else, simply because he's in his 20s. He makes a lot of big plays. He's almost the safety version of Kiko Alonso. But I'll tell you what, Paul. I actually, with Patrick Graham, with Brian Flores here, I would be in favor of keeping T.J. McDonald because I think Brian Flores is going to use him intelligently. I mean, you look at what the Patriots did with uh, Deron Harmon in New England, where he's their third safety, but he's every bit a starter because he makes a lot of big plays. He can match up with tight ends. I I would love this guy as the Dolphins' third safety if they can use him intelligently, which they did not last year. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm almost tempted here to just go out and cut and paste from several of our shows after the draft last year and even leading up to the draft in regards to Minka Fitzpatrick, where we talk about cutting Kiko Alonso, moving TJ a little more up in the box alongside Rashad Jones up in the box and going with Minka as a single high with those two just being destroyers running around wreaking havoc if, from a three safety look with Minka being your center fielder. I, I love the idea of that and, and getting Kiko the hell off the field in those, in those scenarios and off the team in this scenario. I mean, we talked about it so much last off season. Maybe Brian Flores will get creative and do something like that. Fingers crossed, knock on wood, whatever you need to do. Well, I like that he's demonstrated the ability to do that before. I mean, with the same type of player. And you're right, Paul. The With McDonald, if they can use him intelligently and creatively, then he can alleviate those needs at linebacker. And so I would completely be in favor of bringing him back because I know if they bring him back, then Flores is going to envision that same type of role here in the secondary. I mean, it would be – this is a subject for another day, but I think the Dolphins – if they really nail down that spot opposite Xavier Howard as the boundary cornerback, to have McCain, Bobby McCain as your third cornerback, and T.J. McDonald as your third safety, man, what a secondary that would be. So let's uh, move on to the free agents real quick. And, you know, a lot of these guys aren't worth mentioning, but so we'll, we'll glide through a couple of these. Take the big names. So I'm going to throw out a dollar amount based on what, I, what I've researched here. And you tell me, Paul, yes or no on this. So first, Jawan James. Now, yes, Jawan. Yeah, and I, I'm yeah, I'm an immediate <laughs> yes too. But I'll tell you what. Here's the interesting thing about it: the highest paid right tackle in the NFL is Lane Johnson, at about 10.8 million a year. Now, Lane Johnson is far and away better than Jawan James. No, no doubt yeah. about that. He, he's an elite player. Um, 
but the second highest paid right tackle is Ricky Wagner of the Lions, who's an, you know a, a good player. He's had a good career. And then you have a lot of guys that are in that same cluster right there. Juwan, if Jawan James asks for $11 million a year and asks to be the highest paid right tackle in the NFL, do you still do it? Highest paid, no. Amongst the top five, sure. Interesting. So that, that's where the conversation gets really interesting for me, where the Dolphins, if Juwan James says $11 million a year, I want to be the highest paid right tackle, don't even bother picking up the phone if if you're not willing to do that. You know, that that's kind of the reaction. And then I start thinking, do you really let Juwan James walk over what would come down to a million or a million and a half a year. That, that's the interesting discussion that's going to take place. I do think at the end of the day, the Dolphins are going to do what it takes to retain him. It's just, it would be too stupid not to. I mean, if they don't, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to want to draft probably a right tackle in the first round of the NFL draft. Well, I'm, I'm going to say it right here. And you know me, you know, I've got no problem being quoted good or bad. I think five years, 48 million gets it done. I would hope so. And if it does, that would be a great re-signing there. So, obviously, the second one, too, Paul, Cameron Wake just turned 37 years old. You'd have to think he's – right now he's making between nine and nine and a half million, I believe. It's hard to to gauge his value because of his age and because he's probably going to play 30 or 35 snaps a game. So I'm going to throw out the number there of $10 million a year for Cameron Wake. Would you bring him back at that time? Yeah, only because we're talking cutting Andre Branch and, and the the collateral moves um, and, and the mentorship out of Wake. I mean, I'm not going beyond three years max, preferably two for Wake, because I think that that gets it done whether or not he ends up finishing his career somewhere else, which I hope I hope to not see. It breaks my heart to say so because Wake is my favorite Dolphin of all time behind. Dan Marino, Tim Bowens, and uh, for one year, Jamie Nails. But taking a look at at Cameron Wake, 37 years old, I could see him with him, with his conditioning and him playing 30 or 35 snaps a game, could see him taking this to 40 years old, like a James Harrison uh, did a couple of years ago with the Patriots. So, but... I think he's going to get axed out based on this youth movement here, and I'm going to actively root for him if he moves somewhere else to win a ring as long as he doesn't do it with an AFC East team. So, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see with Wake because fan favorite, but is he going to be 39 or 40 when the Dolphins actually start turning it around? So I'm going to you're going to go with yes, I'm going to go with no on on Wake. Um other I'd say the next highest prized free agent Frank Gore. Uh, he, he played for a little over a million dollars last year with the Dolphins, obviously exceeded those expectations. He said he's not retiring. Let's set the price tag at $3 million, and I'm going to have the same answer to this. I would like to see, in other circumstances, I'd like to see him back, but it's too appetizing for me to see Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balage splitting the workload next year, making a combined, what, $1 million a year? <laughs> yeah, it, it, that is a tough one. I mean, I two to three million and a reduced role. I'm all in on Frank Gore. 
Um, but I'm also okay with him leaving. I think the Dolphins probably part ways. Uh, but again, I think it's a scenario where Gore wants to be in Miami or nowhere else at this point in his career. Uh, it's home. And I think, you know, we can throw out the $3 million number, but I think it's another one of those funny money hometown discount things. Yeah, we shall see, especially with Gore, because, I mean, grew up in Miami, went to high school in Miami, is a Miami Hurricane, did want to come to the Dolphins for a reason. I could see him wanting to finish his career here as well. Let's take a look at a few other players here. So we touched on Travis Swanson. I would say what Travis Swanson about three million a year, and at that point I would I would do it and I would cut Dan Kilgore. I thought Swanson, other than a couple of bad snaps against the Bengals, I thought overall he did a pretty decent job. Yeah, I'm 100% with you on that. I think I I, I kind of already said my piece on Swanson when we talked about Kilgore. So defensive line. Uh, we've got a few guys who are in their 30s, but could fill some roles for pretty cheap. William Hayes coming off another injury, Ziggy Hood, Sylvester Williams. I'd say right around the 2 or $3 million per year range for all of them. Would you say let's just go young at this position, or would you bring any of them back? I'd bring Hayes back, uh, especially – and I know I keep harping on this, but with with Graham wanting to run the the three four four three, I think Hayes can be a flexible player. I mean, we we were looking at him last year, moving in and out depending on the scenario, and I think that lends very well to uh, what Graham is going to want to do with this defense. And you look at the fact that he has been arguably or inarguably my, one of Miami's best run defenders uh, when he's been on the field the past few seasons. And the fact that Miami has struggled against the run when he's been out. And for me, you need a veteran leader like that, even if he's going to fill rookies and young players' heads with mermaids and dragons and yeah. whatever the hell else he believes in. Oh, he's he's out of his ever-11-9, that's, that's for sure. But, yeah, I, these three guys I just mentioned, I'd be fine bringing any of them back. If the strategy yeah. is let's give them a couple million a year, and we're going to play a 3-4 with veterans. It kind of reminds me of what the Dolphins did years ago when they started out with Tony Sperano. They brought in – and what they did with Nick Saban, when Nick Saban brought in you know, Kevin Carter and Keith Trailer and these types of guys who just came in and did their jobs. I mean, Sperano did the same thing with like Jason Ferguson as well. So wouldn't surprise me. I think Hayes is probably done, but I would be fine with bringing it back. Sylvester Williams – you know, 30 years old, has started a lot of games, played in, played in some Super Bowls too. Maybe you start out at nose tackle with Sylvester Williams for very cheap, and then you've got Vincent Taylor and Gottschall at the end, and then you add somebody else along the way. So I'd be fine with any of those scenarios. So let's let's burn through a few more of these before we wrap up. Sidearm Sasquatch, Brock Osweiler. No. I would am- <laughs> David Fails. <laughs> Fails, yes. Interesting. Now, I I uh, I would be fine bringing Fails back. Um, I don't think they will simply because he was Adam Gase's toy, and I I don't think that's going to translate. I I think their new regime is going to be more looking at who the Dolphins did sign as a, a street free agent. We've talked about Jake Rudock, former Michigan quarterback, and uh, Luke Falk will come back too and maybe be a camp arm, possibly make the team too. 
A few other late season additions last year, Brandon Bolden and Bryce Butler. Let's set the price tag at about $2 million a year. Bolden I'm definitely in on. I mean, I think he was drastically underutilized last season. He was part of that club that seemed to come on the field and do something special every time he touched the ball and get benched for it. Um, Bryce Butler, that's an interesting one because I did like some of the little flashes that I saw. I don't think he's going to be anyone amazing for this team, but there's a role for him in, in the offense. So Butler, I could take or leave and, you know, that's, you can shake your eight ball all day, but Bolden, I do want back. Especially yeah, Bolden's a good special teamer, always did well when he got on the field, and he does have the Patriots connection too, so that could help him as well. But got to be 30 years old too, So and the Dolphins have Sonoris Perry. I'm going to say Bolden doesn't come back. Bryce Butler I've always has always looked like somebody who looks the part as a wide receiver, and he did have a pretty good chemistry with Tannehill. I'd be interested to bring him back. Uh, given that he's still in his 20s. The tight end spot, obviously the Dolphins have Mike Kosicki, Durham Smythe, and Nick O'Leary, who's signed an extension here before, last year. Do you see either Gray or Derby coming back? I think one of them will be back. I don't see Miami dipping their toe back in the tight end pond in the draft this year. Uh, I think Derby did some okay things at times. And, and Marquise Gray... I like him, especially with, with what we've talked about with Chad O'Shea, with wanting to use the positives and phase out the negatives of the players when he designs his scheme. I think Marquise Gray could be somebody that thrives in an environment like that. Maybe you put him in more of an H-back type role, similar to Charles Clay. But I, I think Marquise Gray could do some special things under Chad O'Shea. I think it's a shame he got hurt last year because – I always thought he was really good value and very underutilized. I think he'll take those skills and do it somewhere else. Simply because the Dolphins have to see what they have with Mike Isicki and with Durham Smythe. And I think Smythe is going to fill that role. And I think he's going to do a good job. It wouldn't surprise me if he turns out to be a better tight end than Gesicki, which after Gesicki's rookie year may not be that difficult. Um, let's see who else. We got three other guys and then we'll wrap up. Sam Young. Stefan Anthony and Wesley Johnson, three players who just seemingly won't go away on the Dolphins roster. You can make up any number that will. you want. I think they will. Gone? Yeah. All right. I'm well, good there. Yep. Well, we've gone through a lot of names here, Paul. Pretty much the entire Miami Dolphins roster. It'll be interesting because the Dolphins could find themselves with between 75 and $100 million in cap room. And the rebuilding effort starts there. That'll do so, it for our Kat, break. Well, before we jump on there, too, with the fact that they could end up with that extra cap room, you could see a scenario as well, just thinking about it, where you see them go out and get that extension out of the way for some young guys like Xavier and Howard, front load the contracts, eat a little bit of that extra cap room now, and, and get that cap hit out of the way. And, and really set themselves up well to have Xavier Howard not on a cap-friendly deal in future years if they are truly rebuilding for the future here. I could not agree more. That would be a great strategy. I I just want to strangle some Dolphins fans out there that, that talk on Twitter and everything. Well, nah, I, I don't really want to re-sign Juwan James. He was just okay. I'm like, 
okay, so you're going to lose James and then spend a first-round pick on a right tackle, and then you're going to trade Xavier Howard for a first-round pick and then use that pick to turn around and probably draft a cornerback again. I mean, here's the big thing is that Xavier Howard's 25, Juwan James is 26. These are guys who are going to be here. You build around. When the Dolphins, we presumably are, we hope, would would turn it around. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. And if you save money by not re-signing them, you're going to end up not spending money on re-signing players in your own organization. You're going to spend it on other people's free agents that they didn't want. Because when you get that quarterback, that quarterback is not going to be signed until is not going to get a second contract until 2023 to 2025. I mean, yep. that's just the reality of it. Anyway, we have all offseason to talk about the NFL draft. That will do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins roster, free agency, as well as possible cuts. You can follow Paul and I on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. Check out our merch store on thefinside.threadless.com. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fence side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian, Cat, and Paul about to do again. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.